Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. How do you die to yourself? Brother Ed, the guy never said once how to die to yourself. But his opening illustration, his stories were very... I could tell you them now, but I'm not going to waste my 10 minutes uh, telling you, retelling a story. So my point is this. Storytelling has its place, maybe to illustrate a point like Jesus did. But storytelling is not what Jesus did. Jesus in the parables, when he taught the parables, do you realize that doesn't take up the bulk of the New Testament? It doesn't take up the bulk of the Gospels. Jesus was a very didactic teacher. He got to the point and told the point. And he used the parables to illustrate those points. So it's not, parables are not just so that Jesus can tell story because that connects better with people. That's the other thing that people say. Well, we do that because it helps people to understand things better, understand spiritual truths better. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you begin to read the gospel of Mark chapter 4, you begin to read verses 10 through 12, you're going to find out that's just the opposite. That people are not going to understand parables. That they're not going to understand the truth. So it's not that Jesus is trying to dumb down the truth so people will understand it. As a matter of fact, you're going to find in a few moments that Jesus taught in parables to keep people from understanding truth. Now that'll rock your socks, amen? That'll make you think different about parables. And so it's not just to tell stories, it's not just about, you know, making it accessible to the people to, be, to dumb it down. And listen, the other thing it was, it wasn't to make it palatable. That is, it wasn't so that people go, wow, that is so great, that is so wonderful. Matter of fact, some of the stories that Jesus told in parable, when he got done, they hated him the more. You know why? Because he was talking about some scribes and Pharisees. These religious people were often the, the brunt of his parables. And so Jesus is getting across some very, very important truth in a very unique way. So as we think about parables, then why did Jesus teach in parables? Well, look at Mark's gospel, chapter 4. This is where we're going to spend our time this morning. And so that we understand why Jesus taught parables, because as we move from here into some parables over the next few weeks, we want to understand what those parables mean in regard to what is the truth that Jesus is getting across to us. What is the central idea of that truth? But we also want to understand that the parables are there and written because they have a purpose. And we often forget their purpose as found in Jesus when he gives us. And by the way, have you ever found it interesting that people want to know what did Jesus mean by something? You know, what, what did Jesus mean by preaching in parables? Well, all you got to do is ask Jesus the question and he'll answer it. You know, when you don't know how to pray, just ask Jesus, how do I pray? And he'll tell you how to pray. When you don't understand something, just ask Jesus to interpret it. And by the way, that's the foundation of Mark 4. It's, it's also parallel to Mark, or excuse me, Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. And so the disciples are like, we don't quite understand this. Can you interpret for us? Can you help us to understand it? And then they ask the question, why do you teach in parables? Look at verse 10, chapter 4 of Mark. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable, the parable of the sower. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Now don't misunderstand his text. 
From this point on, when Jesus begins to use more and more parables, it is because of the response of the people prior to that. As a matter of fact, look at it this way. If you were to take the Gospel of Matthew and you were to put a dividing line in his public ministry, you will find that the dividing line is Matthew 13. Matthew 13 is the dividing line because up to this point, as Jesus is revealing himself, up to that point, when we get to chapter 13, the religious leaders in the nation as a whole reject him as Messiah. When they begin to reject Jesus as Messiah, Jesus focuses and reshifts his ministry to teaching more in parables. You'll find more at the end than the beginning. You'll find he shifts his ministry teaching parables, but he also shifts his ministry on his band of followers. Okay? Because of the unbelief that he's found in the nation. And so verse 11, he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Verse 12, so that, or in order that, seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now when we read that, we sort of go, wow, that's a hard saying of Jesus. And indeed it is. So I want you to think about the parables and why Jesus taught in parables. And as we think about that, I've just got two main points today. First of all, the main point is this. We have those two groups listed. There are two groups here. Listen to the hearers. Verse 10, listen again. But when he was alone, those around him and the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to, you, said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God but to those who are outsiders. There it is. Two groups very distinct in the text. When we think about those two groups, first of all, I'm going to call them insiders. Who are the insiders? Well, the Bible in the immediate context says those who were with him and the 12. So remember that by this time, as Jesus is doing his ministry, you have those who are the 12. That is those called disciples, those 12 guys that were named as being specifically called by Jesus to follow him. We have those names written for us throughout the gospel. And those 12 guys, they are huddled up together with Jesus. They are with him alone. But then it says, but there were some others. So there are some other disciples, that is little D. So we got capital D, 12 guys. We got little D, small disciples, that is other people who are believing in Jesus, who are following him at this point, who are there with him, a small band. We know that band gets to be about 120 folks by the time we reach the book of Acts and Pentecost because that's how many folks are in the upper room praying together. And so we, we notice that there's this band of folks that are following Jesus. These are what I'm calling insiders. That is, these are ones who believe. That is, these are the ones who, when Jesus speaks, they understand that he is Messiah. He is Lord. Now, does that mean they understand all the spiritual significance of that? No, they don't. They don't understand all the spiritual sin, and we know they don't because it's not until after Jesus is risen from the dead that the disciples fully got it. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was like they, they finally understand that he was the Messiah who had to suffer and to die for the sins of mankind, and that he would rise on the third day, and he was the living Christ. So did they understand all the spiritual sin? They didn't necessarily understand all at this point. But one thing is important that you understand about these folks <clears throat> is that they were believers, that they were willing to listen. They were willing to hear what Jesus had to say. They are the folks described, I believe, in verse 9. Look back at verse 9. Verse 9 says, He who has ears to hear, let him 
hear. That is, they had ears to hear. They were ones who wanted to tune in to every word that the Messiah had to say because they wanted to learn from him. They wanted to be true disciples of Jesus. They wanted to follow him. I wonder, are you like that this morning? Are you one of those insiders? Are you one of those folks who's a believer? That is, you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. Listen, there's no other way to be saved. There's no other way to be an insider but through Jesus Christ. Amen? There's no other way. And so are you an insider? Are you a believer? That is, have you tuned your heart and your ears to not just hear what I'm saying, but you're interested in what's being said because you're interested in being a Christ follower. Amen? You want to know what the Lord has to say. You want your life to be in tune with his life. That's these folks. That's the insiders that are in the text. But then Jesus said there are those in verse 11. He calls them outsiders. That's, so that was easy for me to label that. They're outsiders. What do we mean outsiders? We mean people who are outside the faith. We're, we're talking about those who were following Jesus, but they followed Jesus to make a mockery. They followed Jesus to debate him. They followed Jesus to call him in the question everything that he was teaching. It's funny to me that in the book of Matthew, as you look through, that all the religious leaders took their turns taking a stab at Jesus. The, the scribes, the Pharisees, you know, they tried to, you know, come at him with a lawyer. They tried all kinds of things to combat Jesus because they didn't believe that he was the son of God. Listen, they did not believe what he said. They did not believe his miracles. They did not believe anything Jesus did. And so they closed their ears off to him. Does that make sense? They heard what he said, but they did not absorb what he said. They were deaf when it came to spiritual matters out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. These are the two groups of people you're dealing with. Now, you must keep that in context. When you begin to think about why did Jesus teach in parables, you must keep that in context because if you don't, then verse 12 will not make any sense to you when you begin to look at what he says there. So two groups of people. But then, listen, there's two responses. And what I want to deal with in the rest of the sermon today is I want to deal with the responses. I want to, I want to deal with how did, the, how did the outcome of these parables happen? Well, there's two outcomes. Notice in the text, look back at verse 11. And he said to them, to you, that is to these 12 and these other disciples, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to understand the responses of what's going on here. First of all, understand this. Jesus said it has been given to them. Now, what we need to understand this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is this. That what they understand about this mystery of the kingdom of God was not given to them by their own intellect. That is, they didn't listen to the parables. They didn't listen to the the voice of Jesus and see his miracles and come to this all-shattering conclusion, he is the Messiah. Now, they knew he was different. They knew he preached as one who had authority. But that is a passive voice verb that says it's been given to you. Passive voice means that the action is done to the recipient. That is, God was the one who helped them to understand and come to the understanding that Jesus was the Son of God. When Peter would declare, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, 
Jesus would immediately respond and say to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So the disciples and those who are following Jesus are coming into full understanding of the truth of Christ, and they're growing in that understanding in the truth of Christ by the grace and mercy of God, giving them the revelation that they need to understand. Does that make sense? That's very crucial to understand because, again, we have to understand that part to understand the end of the verse. We have to understand that part to understand verse 12. So here God is giving revelation. God is helping them to understand. But the reason that God is doing that out of his mercy and his grace is he who has ears, let him hear. They're hearing. They're paying attention. They're wanting to, they want to know more about this Messiah. They want to know more about Jesus. They're drawn to him. And so they are listening with the point of receiving. So God in his grace helps them to understand the mysteries of this kingdom of God. Now what is this kingdom of God? And what is this mystery? Mystery is not like a mystery today that we think, but it's a mystery is that word that was used in the Old Testament to refer to that which God is beginning to reveal. And so God is beginning to reveal to them who this son of his really is. And so as God is revealing this to them, they are beginning to understand his power of miracles. They're beginning to understand some parables. They're beginning to understand the teaching that's coming out of his mouth. They're beginning to have that understanding. Why? Because God is leading them along. God is drawing them to the Messiah. God is helping them to understand what Jesus is here to do, even though they didn't catch it all. Remember, they didn't catch it all until the end. They never imagined a crucified Savior. They never imagined a crucified Messiah. Even when Jesus talks about that in John 14, they start getting a little discombobulated. You know, their heart gets weary and heavy-hearted. And Jesus had to say to him, let not your heart be troubled. You know, and he tries to help them understand, no, you believe in God, believe also in me. You know, and he begins to talk about the Father's house. And he's trying to help them and to encourage them in the midst of this difficulty. So this mystery of God is all that Jesus is in his person. It's his words and it's his work being revealed that God is going to save mankind through the death and resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. So God is revealing that to them. Why? Because he who has ears, let him hear. And they're willing and they're hearing and receiving what they've been given by God. Some will hear and they won't receive. Some will hear and they won't receive. So there is this, first of all, this outcome of the parables is that there will be some who will understand. They will gain the truth, the central idea of what Jesus is saying. They will gain that truth. But then there are those who will it, it will increase their unbelief. Look at the middle of verse 11 again. He says, but to those who are outside, that is to those who are unbelieving, all things come in parables. That is, it, it comes taught to them because they will not understand. Then he quotes for us Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10. By the way, so you understand the context of Isaiah. Isaiah was that prophet of God as he's called, God called him and God told him something very encouraging. You're going to preach to the nation. You're going to proclaim my word to the nation, but they are not going to listen. That's very encouraging. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, if I, 
you know, got a call from a friend of mine this morning and said, now, Mike, when you stand in the pulpit today, I want you to understand, they're not going to hear the message. They're not going to do what the Bible says to do. You know, that's, that's, man, that's just all encouraging, isn't it? And so God is working in the life of Isaiah. And Isaiah realizes that he's living in a nation of polluted people because he himself has an encounter with God at the beginning of chapter 6. In his encounter with God, he realizes that he's a man of unclean lips, dwelling in a land of people with unclean lips, and then God is going to commission him. And as he's commissioned to go out, God says to him, listen, they're not going to listen to you. As a matter of fact, they're going to harden their hearts. But this is the message that is going to be preached. Notice he says, seeing, he says, then, but they will not perceive, and hearing, they will not understand. Why? What's the result of that? lest they should turn from their sins and be forgiven. And by the way, in Isaiah, Jesus twisted a little bit because in Isaiah it says, not that they would be forgiven, but that they would be healed. So it's a different word that he uses there. Jesus takes this text and he applies it to the outsiders. Now these outsiders are unbelievers, right? Remember, they're unbelievers. So what is this that Jesus is getting across? One thing I want you to understand, divine judgment divine judgment. Why? He who has ears, let him hear. Do they want to hear? No. When you go back and you read the full context of Isaiah, you'll find that the people by this time have already seared their conscience. That by this time, they have already set in their hearts to be a rock of stone against God. They rebelled in all kinds of fashions and ways. And you know what? When they were confronted about their sin, They snubbed their nose at God. They weren't interested in changing. They weren't interested in being what God wanted them to be. They wanted to be what they wanted to be. And what they wanted to be was pagans. They wanted to live like they wanted to live. They didn't want to follow God. They wanted to be free on their own. And you know what that led them into? Pagan idol worship. And they began to worship idols. And they set their heart against God. Now you're dealing with, in Jesus' time, a group of people who are in rebellion. A group of people who have shut their heart up against God's message to the nation in the personhood of Jesus Christ. I mean, after all, when Jesus began his public ministry, what did he say? The kingdom of God is at hand. Over and over and over again, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is the personhood of Jesus Christ. And so as Jesus comes on the scene, as he's preaching and as he's teaching, the people who were unbelievers, all they did was shut their ears up and grow worse and worse and worse in their sin. And as a result, they received divine judgment. As a result of that, their ears will be closed because they just refuse to believe and repent. I like the way John MacArthur says it. Listen to what he says. He said, during Isaiah's ministry, the people repeatedly ignored the prophet's warnings until their their consciences were so seared and their spiritual senses so dulled that they no longer had any ability to understand or respond. God allowed them to harden their hearts to the point that they could no longer repent. Boy, that's a great explanation of what Jesus is saying here. That they cannot perceive, even though they see. They cannot understand, even though they hear the words of Jesus. And they will not repent. Why? Because they are so hardened. They have hardened themselves to the place that God says, if that's what you want, 
you can have it. Think about it. And you know, when I think about that rejection of Jesus and I think about God's rejection of them, the reality is they sealed their fate. Because without Jesus, there is no salvation. Without Jesus, there is no heaven. Without Jesus, there is no relationship with God the Father. But yet today, we still have people who will reject him, who shut their ears off and they are not willing to hear the words of Christ. They have become dull in their spirits, hard-hearted against God. And yet it's nothing new because Paul would write to us in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness. What's happening? What's happening in the time of Jesus as he's preaching and teaching is that God's judgment has fallen upon those who refuse to hear. Their ears are stopped up. So when you begin to think about the parables, the parables weren't just some little quaint stories to help bring some truth to an easier place. As a matter of fact, some of those parables are a little difficult to interpret. No, the parables were for the believer, a place of teaching, a place where Jesus would take a central truth and bring it across to help them to understand. But it was also a point of judgment that those who would shut up their ears, that those who have hardened their hearts, to those whose conscience are seared, it would be the place of judgment. To the place that the Bible says that they will not repent. At this point, they become incapable of repenting. He's saying, oh, as long as somebody's alive, they can repent. There's a place in which people will reach where it's going to be improbable for them to repent because they've gone so far that they don't even hear the whisper of God anymore. Sad, isn't it? But you know, I'm a man of grace and I believe in grace. And I want to hold out on grace. I love this quote that I found by Dr. J.D. Grasmick. He's a teacher at Dallas Theological Seminary, or was. He's not there anymore. But listen to what he says, and I quote him. He says, Jesus' audience were not denied the opportunity to believe in him, but after they persistently closed their minds to his message, they were excluded from further understanding of it by his use of parables. He goes on. Yet even the parables which veiled the truth were meant to provoke thought, enlighten, and ultimately reveal it. They uniquely preserve people's freedom to believe while demonstrating that such a decision is affected by God's enabling. That is, he's saying to us that even though Jesus taught in parables and even though it was a mark of judgment against them, that perhaps, perhaps, by God's grace, they would be pulled out of their stupor, be quickened by the Spirit of God, and come to a place of understanding and belief. And we pray so. One last quote. I don't even know who said it. I found this remote quote. It says, hide the parables, hide the truth from those who do not seek truth, but reveals truth to those who seek it. So as we think about the parables, I hope that you'll think in this way, that there's a central truth in which God is speaking, in which Jesus is using to get a central truth across to those of us 
who are followers of Jesus. The parables are not quaint stories of yesteryear. They're very practical and necessary for our Christian walk today so that we can gain essential truth and walk in that truth. Let's pray. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.